Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. Brian Pierce, your host for this fine Tuesday evening. Um, so Sea Time, the online show for the Offered Enthusiast. For those of you who do not know, if maybe you've ever tuned in before, well, thank you. Welcome. We're here to have a good time. It is episode 201. What was it that you said to me? We're over the hump? Yep, we're over the hump. I like that. And then you had some other digits, too, that you threw out there. Well, uh, <laughs> you had my dad on the show at episode 157. Yep. And I believe my brother and I were in the... In the <laughs> we're... We're in the double-digit episodes. <laughs> this is going to be horrible. I can already tell I've been trying to eat cough drops the whole fucking day just to get this better, but um, it could go downhill very quickly. So these guys who don't know, this is Dalton Green. Dalton's been around the Texas scene for a long time, uh, but lately he's been doing a lot more uh, with schoolwork, with art, design, going overseas, all kinds of cool, fun stuff. So I'm glad you could finally make it on the couch, though, because as he said, he's been on the show with his brother one time, his dad's been on. So... <laughs> Written a few articles for you. <laughs> you have. I feel like this is going to be interesting. The elusive contributor. The elusive, elusive contributor is like, holy shit, what are you doing, man? So, again, seat time, though, brought to you by the fine folks over at Fly Racing. Flyracing.com is where you can find out more about those guys. And congratulations uh, to Colton Haker. We're going to have him on in a little bit for winning the uh, World Enduro Champ- World Enduro Super Enduro how do you yeah World Enduro Championship World Super Enduro Championship that's right it's Super Enduro they're trying to I'm get like, this <laughs> World Enduro how do you do this oh my god it's so awkward seems like they're trying to wrap in the Supercross yeah, aspect I think I, of it this is when I need a pop filter the most Steven yeah right now <laughs> we may have to we may have to let you be the host and I just come in every now and again and go mm-hmm. yep we, we might have to do that okay Yep. So while he's coughing, we're going to reiterate our two guests for the night will be Colton Haker and Russell Bobbitt. Uh, we'll be talking about the National Enduro Series as well as discussing with Colton Haker his travels overseas. I know, and you did a lot of traveling overseas. I, I did, and I can't wait to ask him about a few, uh, tri- few spots he may have hit over in Spain, maybe some other locations in Europe, to see how he liked it, maybe see if there's stuff he didn't like. <laughs> Or that you like that he didn't, and vice versa. What? True. <laughs> Why is it so awkward? <laughs> I'm not sure if Ron Pierce is going to be able to contribute to the show tonight. It might. <laughs> it might be the quietest episode for me ever. But of course, so uh, after fly racing, Kindatire, Kindatire USA. Check them out at Kindatire.com. And SRT Off-Road. So huge supporters of Seat Time and all the off-road scene. So definitely, if you're an off-road supporter, please go check them out. Now, we were going to say, there's a lot of dirt buzz going on. And we're going to talk about the dirt buzz in a little bit. But before we get to the dirt buzz, I actually did want to talk to you about some of your travels. Because on this show, we kind of like to talk about some of the interesting situations that we may have gotten ourselves into through over time especially we talk a lot about the after parties that i've been to and how many times i've found myself in awkward situations when i wake up in the morning right right and so being that you spent a lot of time in germany yes and you're not the worst looking american young man <laughs> i can only imagine that there were some ladies over in germany that may have been like 
Hi, Mr. Dalton Green. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, they weren't speaking English. How you doing? <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would they say? Because you probably remember. Um. Well, <laughs> man, basically all the time they would give salutations in German. And I would say, I don't speak German. No Deutsch. Uh, no Deutsch. Uh, American. And they would immediately ask if I was a soldier. Because um, they had a lot of mm. uh, military installations in Germany. And I would say no. And then that would spark conversation for a couple hours. Because what is an American kid yeah. doing here that's not a soldier? Um, and that was usually in the club scenes that we were at. Uh, drinking, partying to music, and enjoying our time in Germany. Mm-hmm. And so that's where a lot of uh, female interaction happened while in, I was overseas. And it wasn't a club. The club scene is big in Europe. And when you're talking like, like rave kind of scene, like what's a club scene like over there? Like, mm, it, it depends. I mean, it's very electronic based. Um, I don't. It's not the '90s rave scene that you would see in America that really stemmed from right. Europe. But I mean, they're way more progressive musically than America is, and they really push a lot of trends that America then co-ops a couple of years later. So it's a ton of stuff that I had never even been. Uh, like introduced to or exposed to in time and a lot of the friends that i had there they're really into music i mean that's how i befriended them i'm crazy into music uh, among a lot of other interests i have and you know that's how i get a lot of experiences that i do so it was a lot of really progressive electronic as well as throwbacks every now and then that's pretty much the scene and i mean that was clubs in spain in england in germany uh denmark (laughs) you got the Go to all that? Yeah, Sweden. Um, yeah. <coughs> yeah. I don't know what's making me freak out more of the cough or the fact that you got to do all that cool shit while I'm over here. Yeah. Yeah. With a little three-year-old shithead running around. Hey. You'll, did, be, you'll be there yeah. one day? <laughs> Someday. Someday. <laughs> yep. But not quite yet. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. No. Um, so you did used to race and ride a lot, but your brother, actually, Dylan, he's been on the show a couple times. Um, okay. <laughs> while you were gone and out of town and all that fun stuff little d yeah little d but you know how, how is it for you to kind of come back and have have had your bike sold and kind of like still like i guess you're not an outsider to everything but right. at this point you know when you go to a race you're not a racer right in, yeah in the sense that you're not racing obviously you still are oh exactly I mean, it's, you, you grew up doing it but no i get you um yeah i guess it, i would just describe it as the the point in life that I'm at, like I'm transitioning from move, moving away from my parents, funding my riding and stuff like that. And I'm trying to make my own way right. in life so that someday I can take care of them and fund their riding and their racing because it doesn't seem like they're going to stop anytime soon. And maybe I could help my brother out and stuff. So that's definitely where I'm coming from and trying to be able to fund my, my whole riding um, experience. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm getting right back into uh, hitting all the local series. Um, I know my brother just hit the uh, two-step GNCC openers, uh, Florida and Georgia. And man, a lot of good memories come up from there, from hitting those rounds and uh, whatnot from 12 and 13. Right. Um, but I'm definitely getting right back into it. This It's the sport I grew up in. It was my first love for a sport. And I don't see myself ever stopping. Yeah. So that's that's me trying to lay the foundation so I can do it forever. Yeah. And we were having that discussion a little bit before the show, how like, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I haven't been going to a lot of the races and stuff lately because of the same thing. Like I'm trying to, 
we got kind of a lot, a lot going on right now in the pot that I'm stirring, trying to make sure stuff doesn't get mixed and everything's going proper. You know, for the for the way that it's just better for my family in the long run, and then maybe we can, you know, make it back out right. to more races and kind of do that for the exactly for the long term. Yeah, it's tough, man. But yeah, but who's who's to say that people in motorcycle industry with the great love for it can't have multiple and all kinds of interests? Um, I honestly think that kind of lacks in our sport that the like the big riders and industry figures they they kind of pigeonhole themselves into riding his life but right. there's more to it than that and, sure. and you can love riding with as much uh, vigor as you enjoy life but you can have other interests as well and what's wrong with that and you should express that and try to connect with other people that way being and using riding as a medium to start that conversation yeah i and think you, that would be you a, have a big music yeah love as well yeah very, <laughs> yeah very very big music love and honestly it riding has been a an instance that has uh brought some really interesting relationships uh basically into my lap um i was involved with the packing mace release with justin bogle brad frace and garrett merkin and that was uh 2011 2012 i believe uh we hit some commercial success I, I would say they did. I was with them the whole time and really enjoyed being a part of it. And uh, they're currently working on music right now. And I would be glad to say that I'm involved in helping them make decisions and kind of discuss what kind of quality they're striving for and helping them achieve their goals. Very cool. Yeah. So all like that <laughs> happens as well as staying in touch with the underground hip hop scene here in Dallas, Fort Worth. Is there a striving one? There is thriving one, I guess, is the better word. Yeah, definitely, there very much is. Um, but with hip hop comes a certain degree of uh, kind of the struggle between being a, a mainstream success and keeping underground roots and kind of the originality oh, and yeah. credibility yep. within the genre. It's always a weird struggle there, one that is really intriguing to myself. Interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember <coughs> groups like Jurassic Five. Yes. I always really enjoyed groups like Jurassic Five. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I felt like they kept that quote unquote more real. I don't know the right yeah. way to say it. I'm not into That's right. Know, like, yeah, exactly. They didn't like it, it. And honestly, like if you go back to the Black Eyed Peas before they did the whole Fergie thing, mm-hmm. like I felt like they were kind of with Jurassic Five and that kind of hip hop genre. That's, exa- that's exactly right. They were. Oh, You're yeah. definitely discussing the golden age hip hop groups and. And acts that are that then transitioned into the pop sound. Jurassic Five wasn't one of them, but Black Eyed Peas certainly were. Black Eyed Peas, that's right. Yeah, you're right, and yeah, exactly. And that's all the kind of interest musically that I'm into, as well as a broad spectrum. Because I'm a DJ, um, like that's right. Yep, a scratch DJ, a bedroom DJ, one that. Uh, well, what does that mean? Well, bedroom DJ, like I don't go and do the club circuit, just as you know, motorcycles. Uh, motorcycle racers go to the races every can I be single a, weekend. Can I be a bedroom racer? You, I mean, could we not say we're doing that right now? Oh, yeah. yeah that we are. Yep, just kicking it on the couch, talking racing. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would be as a bedroom DJ, sitting so here you would talking. spin, right? Spin, yeah. Okay. And and do you record this, or would it be for live, or like... you Both. So you I mean, can like, record it and oh, put it out to put the masses. camera up yes. in there. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, just... It's a digital feed, right? So you can right. post it. I mean, it could literally be like... A yep. video in a club 
of you in your bedroom spinning. You could. And then like in his through the loudspeaker, right? right? Exactly. You like, could do that. Why is he in his boxers? Because he's in his bedroom. Yep. You could do that. You could do that. I think we just found a new business venture. Yep. Watch out. They've been doing it already, though. Oh, okay. They have been doing that. Yep. The live live Periscope feeds of like really prominent scratch DJs doing full sets, uh, really showing off their vinyl collection. One that uh, I'm building currently right now because um, the, these guys are really involved in music in the broad spectrum of it. They're, right. That's that's what they love and cherish and show off and then manipulate into cool, usually hip-hop, uh, compositions. Nice. Well, um, <coughs> we're going to get ready to get Mr. Russell Bobbitt Yeah, yeah, let's show. get back to racing. And No, no, that's fine. I, yeah. I, it's good discussions for sure. Right. Now, obviously, we can all tell. I'm having a little bit of an issue. What's so, that? Well, yeah, more than normal, or is it actually something <laughs> yeah, different? Right, I was right. like, oh, wait, I should notice this an yeah. issue? Okay. Uh, so... We've talked a little bit about some of the stuff we were going to chat with Russell Bobbitt about. So if it seems like it's a moment that I am incapacitated, don't worry. You feel free to be Woody for the evening. Okay. But yeah, let's get Mr. Russell Bobbitt on the show and see what happens. Um, For those of you who don't know, Mr. Russell Bobbitt has been around for a long, long time. National Enduro champion, all the fun stuff. Did some GNCC racing, lots of OMA racing. Right. But, you know, for the past two years, he's been back on the KTM squad after being on the Husaberg squad. Before then, obviously, Husaberg getting shut down, Husqvarna getting bought by KTM, all the kind of fun stuff that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then back to KTM. So, I, I know it's somewhere. Oh my gosh, Mr. Russell Bobbitt, what are you doing? Um, hanging out. I feel How like I'm you? doing some kind of weird dance trying to figure out where my uh, headphone walked off to on me. <laughs> How are you doing, Russell? Good. <laughs> Good deal. Getting you loud and clear on FaceTime. Is that correct? Yeah. Good yeah. deal. Good deal. Good. I like it. Well, dude, it's been interesting so far because I've been having a lot of uh, coughs, if you will. Yeah, and I heard you. Okay. Sounds like you just made a massive riff on a bong. I wish. Yeah. Honestly, that would be so much more enjoyable right now than yeah. the bullshit that I'm going through. So if I do wind up getting into one of those fucking fits... He already knows that he's taking over for the evening, and I'm just going to hang on over here and try not to die. Right. But, dude, um, one, let's just go way back, because how the hell have you been? We haven't chatted with you on the show in a long time. I know you were injured in the last half of the season last year, uh, coming in strong this year, but you've been on KTM now for two years before Husky and Husaberg and all that. Like, whoo, we haven't had the show in a while. So, dude, how the hell you been? Uh, I've been great, man. I mean, I really can't complain. Everything's been going pretty awesome and having a killer time riding my dirt bike, which has been sweet and um, stoked on the, the new bikes this year. It's been awesome. And, uh, you know, just after I hurt my back at kind of at the end of last year and uh, kind of just decided to uh, try that 250F. Um, actually, I was still set up to ride a 350, but decided it was too fast. <laughs> really? Um, I mean, that's kind of what I thought. I mean, it felt more like a 450, and really, the new 250 is like just fitting me really well, and I, I love the power of it and how it handles. It feels like it corners a little bit easier and stuff. So it's been just a ton of fun. I think that's crazy, and like we've noticed, uh. 
Caleb Russell did really well last year at the uh, ISDE on the 250, and right. he was riding a 250 before that, before he went over. And then we've seen Cody Webb on the 254 stroke as well. Right. Um, yep. Which blows my mind away. They'd use that in Enduro Cross, but obviously you guys are saying that they're super powerful. So Yeah, but they can toss them around all over the place because mm. that the weight reduction, especially compared to a 450, I mean, I'm sure you guys then understand the power ratio and would rather be able to really manhandle that bike around rather than having all that revolving weight with the larger bikes. Sounds like science. Yeah. What do you think, Bobbitt? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that too much science for, for seat time? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's science. I mean, you know, science, science is cool, but <laughs> this is Bill t- Nye knows better. Bill, yeah. <laughs> yes. I like it, man. Yep. Well, um, how you know, and like you said, you've you've really been enjoying being back on the KTM's. The new bikes are awesome. Um, have you had any any interaction with the the Husqvarna side of things, and kind of like how how everything is going on there, and like how I guess is it so separate that I mean, do you just see the guys at the races, and that's really about it? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I I talk to them all at the races, and. Uh, you know, I'm still good friends with some, you know the riders and stuff on there, but at the same time, like, you know, they're running their own program now. You know, Timmy Wagon's their team manager, and yeah. Auntie is ours, and you know, they got their own truck, their own deal, and um, you know, I don't know what the, they're really doing. I don't even know how to take off their side covers on that new bike, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're like, dude, it's white sometimes, it's blue sometimes, it's, so, it's just freaking me out, man. Uh, what's interesting is is we have you on the show, and a good friend of mine that I met last year, Mr. Frank Mann, known as The Factory, he wanted to let you know that he says hi, uh, did Baja, I think, a couple times with you, uh, and I actually rode with him last year, so. Yeah, Factory Frank, he, yep. he always manages to say hello through some channel. He, he never actually calls and says hi. He just says, oh, wait, are you live on C-Time? Oh, shit. Hey, tell him I said hi. <laughs> you know, because... Timing, just, timing. Yeah, timing is everything. I mean, is everything. Well, Mr. Bobbitt, <clears throat> what... It was an interesting text message that I got from you. And we're not going to go into specifics because we don't need to go there. But I was like, congratulations about your second place. You know, I'm excited. I'm like, fuck yeah, I would love to be on the podium in a national enduro, right? Right. And I know... You were a little bit frustrated. We'll, we'll go with frustrated. Losing to Grand Brother yeah. twice, couple seconds, obviously, and in the long run, if if it was two seconds, that could still be one turn. You know, thirty seconds, that could still be one turn. You know, it could be all. It's it's so uh, it's so up in the air with the enduro sometimes. But how are you feeling though? I mean, it sounds like you're extremely happy on the motorcycle. And that is is obviously one thing that is is, is the mental capacity to be extremely confident. But, you know, it, you, so you were a little bit frustrated to kind of continually get second now twice in a row to Grant Baylor. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, really wanting to win at Perry Mountain and, uh, you know, had a great day going. And, um, you know, it was came down to the final test and, you know, I didn't deliver. So, you know, it just it's, uh, you know, a tough pill to swallow. You know, you... You got high hopes for yourself. You want to win. And, you know, second place just, you know, it doesn't sit well. You know, it doesn't, you know, that's not what I'm there to do. And, um, you know, the whole team's been working really hard. And I want to 
win for myself, but also for all those guys. And, you know, I'm ready to, I'm just, uh, you know, pretty much willing to do whatever I need to, to make it happen. So it's coming. Nice. No, I know it's coming. You I, know, I, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, no, I do it, know it, for sure. There's, there's definitely no, no, uh, part of me that's like, oh yeah, no, Bob, yeah, he's second all year for sure. Like, I'm like, no, <laughs> like, yeah, I can't, wouldn't bet that. Yeah, for sure. Have you had a chance to ever like ride with with Bob when he's either been in town with Cole or hanging out or anything? No, kind of I have not had the chance to do that. Um, I've actually missed out a couple of times. What? Because of school. Oh, so, yeah. Cole, Cole hit me up and wanted to meet up and all ride, but wasn't able to do it. Um, then that, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I would have loved to have done that. That's kind of what it is. You, right. You've done a little bit of the GNCCs too this year. Now, granted, you've done GNCCs in the past and some of the OMAs and all that kinds of stuff been all over the place. But, um, did you do Florida as well or did you just do the Georgia no, GNCC? I didn't do Florida. Um, you knew that would I, be an ass beating? Yeah, I didn't really want three hours of that sandwich place, but, uh, I did do the sprint enduro down there that week, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, I kind of always try and do the Georgia round because it's like the home race for me, I guess. Yeah, for sure. This one was at the new location, and it was actually probably the best GNCC I've ever done. It was a super cool place and uh, kept it pretty interesting with like some moon rocks in the trail, and the dirt was pretty perfect. We got lucky with that, and... Uh, some crazy spider web kind of root sections everywhere, but uh, <laughs> yeah, because y'all got some rain the fun. night before, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was you know calling for like dumping rain all freaking weekend, but <laughs> yeah, it just kind of missed us, I guess. You gotta love when that happens. Yeah, it's like you get the sprinkle like just enough for it to stay moist and all that kinds of fun right. stuff. But yep. then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we don't get the dump. You're right, nature's water truck. I just <laughs> used the word moist and dump in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> SEO right there. Yeah, that's kind of like, oh god, I don't even want to know who's yeah. searching for that shit. <laughs> I don't think we need to have them involved. Mm, Maybe we do. Hey, Maybe numbers, we, numbers. We make it that much more awkward. So I'm finding out all kinds of stuff as Mr. Frank Mann here, Fractory Frank, is uh, chatting with me. That you guys are you guys working together? What's your relationship with uh, with Factory Frank? <laughs> Oh yeah, he's my trainer. He's my full time trainer. Um, he like for real, gives me all my uh, skills on the moto track, and uh, definitely uh, he teaches me everything. I just follow him around the track, and, and the whole time you're kind of like, God, how is this old guy so fucking fast? Yes, it's just like, how does he do it sitting so upright and like just turning 18 times in every rut it's impressive <laughs> i feel like yep. that's what people say about me too when they see me riding i i think so i, I would agree you see me rolling i don't yep. know now i feel like I, now every <laughs> no, time no, i look at you i feel no, like i gotta no, like try to no, like don't don't do that no <laughs> no, like, no let's keep it don't. underground pierce <laughs> hey but really frank <laughs> has been killing it man he's uh he's been riding really well he's been getting some good uh performances of his own have you been talking to his wife or do you mean on the track <laughs> <laughs> oh right okay sorry he has he's actually been traveling around a lot and like you know he's like look at me takes a picture of him all nice and clean and then he takes a picture with his trophy i mean that's pretty impressive <laughs> yeah i mean loretta's plus 50 or plus 60 i think he's got a chance 
The gray hairs? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Have you have you done the rip? No. No? Ah. So it, when you were riding, when you was it in Baja where you met Frank? Was it one of the other rides or just a ride or any time? Never been in Baja. Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> Frank's just a old go back in time, known him forever. He actually lives, you know, within an hour from me, so he comes up to the house he's ridden here one time and um we go to some moto tracks and he'll just show up out of nowhere you know he's always in his van going to moto tracks no matter how far away they are he'll be there that's fantastic. living the life living the life yeah. Dude, yeah he drove his happy ass oh no no i think he flew this time but there's been quite a few dudes he might have driven that drove from the east coast to southern california and then did the rip and then drove back like there's no, no hey way. road tripping man driving that whatever the f it was twenty two hours or yep. whatever from Dallas to San Diego to San Clemente wherever they're at that's a tough one oh, my God that was insane yeah uh, I just got a weird <laughs> I got a weird question for you yeah. Mr Bobbitt and I'm just gonna go for it sure. um so it's and we're gonna call this guy out too Michael Kasberg um, <laughs> wants to know excellent how much chest hair you have. Oh, oh Kasberg. Um, <laughs> ask, ask your girlfriend, Michael. Oh, there it is. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Probably ask his boyfriend, too. Yep. <laughs> That's not weird. That's uh, not weird at all. Kasberg. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Uh, but no, you've never been to Baja, huh? No. That really no. kind of actually kind of surprises me. Um. I think you would enjoy it. I mean, like, what kind of open terrain stuff have you done? I mean, um, besides some of the ISDE stuff where you kind of, like, run across everything, I think. I would think. Open terrain. I'd avoid that, I think. <laughs> it's like, I, you like the tight trees? <laughs> i tell you what. One of the coolest open terrain experiences I had, I was riding with Kirk Selly up near, like, Jawbone Canyon and out at uh, Red Mountain. And we did some just some of the coolest, most like open riding I've ever done. That was like awesome. Yeah, I think <clears throat> having done the Baja Rally, which was fantastic, and then going and doing the Rip, um, it I have a new appreciation for like desert riding. I, yeah. I, you know, up until those two events, you know, I had done some stuff in West Texas, and you've been to where the same places I've been in West Texas, Russ. You know, it's kind of open and stuff um but true desert i had never seen true true desert and before and it was absolutely amazing it's it's weird especially when you come to the coastline yeah and you're like that's the pacific ocean and there ain't nothing like you don't see anything obviously except water and then you just realize that there's nothing for a lot a lot of miles it's kind of like one of those weird like you know you have a moment right you know yeah yeah I get yeah, that. you're having a moment. You're having a moment, but you could probably do that on your on your coast as well because you've got that that Atlantic, I guess, over there. Right, but you wouldn't be going through desert to get the Atlantic. That's true. That's you get true. you get to go you're through some to the nice Hamptons, like waving at everybody on their beach. Right, right. How's it going? How's it going? Um, so full gas sprint enduro. How much have you enjoyed those? A ton. That's my jam. Yeah, I, mean, I bet. Other than normal enduros, which I, you know, still love, but uh, they're just a blast. You know, it's uh, fun as fun as hell. Just hanging out with your buddies. You know, in between and 
get to go out and just rip awesome grass tracks and you know pin it through the enduro test yeah it it seems and again like i've only done the the unfortunately had the pleasure of doing some of the local stuff i haven't had a chance to do the full gas stuff just trying to figure out the time and the money to get over there to do it right right um but yeah it seems like it would be the bee's knees if you will yep the jam your jam would it be your jam yeah i mean it might be <laughs> my brother's done a few and he raves about them and i've never actually done an enduro you're like i don't know a bike buddy shut I, up of, yeah, exactly right <laughs> yeah I'm why pushing. are you bringing me here <laughs> Damn it, you bring into dark clouds. <laughs> exactly. No, the I think the craziest thing I did was the uh, land speed record in Bonneville. That's probably the most different genre of riding I've done. Really? Yep. How was that? That was uh that was definitely an experience. One of the best I've ever had was the land speed racing. That is, was is that fantastic. just like put your big boy panties on, yeah. and sack up. Just hold it. Just hold it wide open. Yeah. Yep, on the salt. What would you think about that, Mr. Russell Bobbitt? I don't know. I'm sorry. I got kind of sidetracked. One of my good friends <laughs> just texted me and said, uh, I guess they're going to have a baby. You know Bryce Bingham and Aaron Coomer? I do. I know. Yes. Well, I don't know if I, they're trying to keep this under wraps. Well, or well the internet. <laughs> yeah. Guess they're having exclusive. A yeah, exclusive <laughs> on CTAC. Can we get? Are they are they having the baby right now? Yeah. Because if we can um, get them to no. FaceTime Live feed. and then we like bring that in. It would be really weird. No. Live commentary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's the crown. It started to crest. Not that far. No, no not at all. Like, it, it, it's actually like, you know, they're, they're still... No, I was going to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, going to I was like, no, don't go there. <laughs> it's about to get weird. Yeah. Sorry, what were you really asking me? I don't know. Oh, he was talking about... He said he actually had a chance to do the Bonneville uh, Salt Flats, where you like go out there oh. for the land speed record. I mean... Would yeah. that be something you think would be bitching, or would you be like, no, I'm going to leave that to the crazy people? No, not into that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> not, I don't know. Not my thing. No, it's not for everyone. No, I, they, that, I would have to have like some like cojones warm up. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, is there, like, where's the baby lane? Luckily, like, no, no, no they like, do that. And if you've never done it before, you, you can't just go out there and pull a 200 mile an hour run. Okay. You have to go. Uh, you have to do a full run at, I believe, like under 100, so 75 to 100 miles an hour. Stay in that range and then pull off safely because that's a big deal for oh, them, yeah. exiting the track. And then from there, you then have to graduate to the next level, go 100 to like 125, somewhere in there, 125 to 150. And then after 150, you're free to go 400 miles an hour. If you can reach it, whatever you can get, whatever to. you can get to mm, after that, that is some scary ass shit. And it's it's amazing to see, because uh, I think what did we what did they have? Speed Demon, the, like the real super futuristic looking motorcycle. Well, <laughs> it looked like a missile uh, going like three. I think they're trying to somewhere between like the two fifty and three hundred mile an hour mark. And it's amazing to uh, you can't fathom it until you're there. And you're like, that's fucking fast. That is, yep. And you like you see them probably miles in advance and just because it's so flat and then you can't see them because the curve of the earth. Science, science, science. You've got a whole nother like level to this show. That's what we're trying to do. That right? Okay, okay. Yeah. Well then, all right. Let's Here step we go. it up. I'm Babies being born and, and speed happening. I like it. <laughs> <coughs> oh. 
I got some interesting text messages from other riders as well. Again, I don't know if we're supposed to talk about some of the stuff that people tell me. And now it's not like people tell me a lot. Believe me. It's like... C-Time, a.k.a. Yeah. Moto TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Selfie. Um, there were some people... Are you bored? What? No. I'm listening. You're talking about text messages. I don't know. I'm, I'm texting, too. So it's okay. <laughs> um, so how, how tight was Knuckle Buster? Um, like, tell me, like, how tight it was. Because I got some text messages back when I was asking about how it was. Some people were like, and again, some of these people were people like me that really like tight stuff and, like, okay with it. And they were like, fuck yeah, it was awesome. And people who don't like tight stuff were like, oh, my God, it was way too tight. Um, I wouldn't say it was way too tight. I mean, they did a killer job. There was some of everything. You know, the first kind of couple tests were, or the first test was pretty fast, like, kind of old hair scramble kind of puddly course i guess yeah and uh second test was a lot more technical and uh had some mud holes and jive like that but uh third was actually i think pretty tight i mean there was a couple sections where it was like established kind of single track but through like pines it felt like i was in georgia like at the cherokee a lot like that um but they had a good mix, you know. Fifth test was like flowy, fast, like awesome. That was the bitchin' like awesomest test of the day, I thought. And awesomest. yeah, no, some of everything. I like it. Yeah, Maplesville, Alabama, right? Perry Mountain. Yeah, Maple. Uh, I was twelve years old, and uh, I had done the kids race, and I was so fat and chubby that, and I had like this old gear. There's a picture of me after the little kids race and stuff. I got this fat little kid grin. My gut's like hanging out over my my pants, and the the zippers busted on the pants, and like the little shirt no like busted through. And it's just like, where is this pic? I know. Why is the viewers not seeing we need this? this? We need this. I don't even know where it is. My parents have tried to find it, but it is pre- it's from Perry Mountain, man. I grew up going there because of Sarah. <clears throat> and, yeah. Um, I loved that place. After I was about sixteen. Up until I was about 16, I hated that place because I couldn't ride in the tight trees. Like, I just couldn't. Could you reach it out. on your bike, though? Huh? Could you reach on the bike? Oh, like, no, it, it might have been part of it. Because that's why I hated tight woods um, up until I could reach on the bike. Because there for a while, I was crazy short and I could yeah. never reach. So if I had to, like, stop and wiggle through, and I would just be like, Ugh. And I think, too, like, I had a lot. Like, it wasn't until I moved to Texas and started riding a lot faster stuff that I really learned. How important it is to stand up fucking 90% of the time. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I watch Russell Bobbitt and I'm like, this guy's not just showing his ass all the time. Like, there's actually something to this. You know, like, <laughs> it's important. So, it, it was a big thing with that as well. But, you know, so I had to know, like, if they were still, like, super tight there, which I figured they would be. I like the elevation too, because it's not, like, super, super gnarly, but it's, like, just enough to be fun and flowy. And then, like, it starts to get a little worn out. You know, some of the roots and stuff can come into play. So, but I like what they put on there. Um, yeah. Speaking of roots and all that kinds of stuff, biggest thing I think changing the National Enduro is the fact that the pros got moved back to the 30s. Talk to me a little bit about that. How has that been for you guys? Why do you think that that came about? We've talked about it on the show, but I kind of want to get it from your perspective. <clears throat> I mean, it, it definitely came about because between row 21 and 30, there's, you know, a big actual disadvantage for starting up front. I mean, 
the trail isn't quite established enough yet. And the pros themselves, I think, actually make, you know, more of an impact on the trail because they're attacking it so much harder. For sure. So by the time uh, row 31 rolls around, that's kind of about when it's opened up to, I think, about the best. I mean, like it's visible, it's more turned up, and uh, all the other kind of select lines are about developed. And so when they've moved us back 10 minutes, I mean, really it made everyone's times closer because there wasn't that advantage so much anymore. You know, from 30 to 40 isn't nearly the big like change from 20 to 30 because it's beat in, I guess, to a certain point. And so I think it, it really leveled the playing field a lot. Interesting. And mm. yeah, that was one of the things that we talked about right. on the show. And that was kind of some of the, and you put it into words much better than we have, but that's why you're a professional and you know what the hell you're talking about and how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> but, and so that's good to know that you think it's working though too, that it wasn't right. an assumption that they make and try to make a change and that it was something that was like, oh crap, it didn't work out. But to, to find out that it is working... Um, and I think it's cool too now that the the double A guys get to move into the twenties because it's kind because of, it, it probably was tough for them. I mean, granted, they some of those guys could pull, you know, following you for a while, being on your row. But now it, it they get a chance to really kind of see like level set how they are against you guys um, and kind of start to compare times and race those times more than they would be like starting the test and trying to follow you. I don't know which one do you think's better, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, it's a race against the clock, not being able to key off someone, really. I think so, you know, that could make or break someone's race, you know, having an expert rider following a pro rider versus another expert rider being on their own minute because they don't have that advantage. So um, definitely having their own row and, I mean, still 20 to 30 is a great rows, so it's a perfect, I think, race selection for those guys right awesome dude well cool well obviously Casberg is still throwing out all kinds of fun stuff he wants to know the biggest heartthrob on the trail is who has the most ladies in their autograph line he's like why are texas guys so much faster than georgia guys he's like you look like hugh jackman what's your favorite x-men i mean he really really wants you to kind of like make an ass out of him yeah (laughs) (laughs) sounds like it (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Kasberg just needs to come do a national enduro. I mean, that's, he's been doing really good to Texas enduros, from what I've seen. Yeah, he needs yep. to come a little east. I would agree. Yep. We I, we need to go east too. You True. Need to go bike is next month. Next, it's going down. Oh, there it is. Yep. All right, I like it. Well, yep. dude, Mister Russell Bobbitt, what are some of the things that you want to tell the internet that we did not ask you? Mm. Um. Well, um, I guess. I got an 06 Sprinter van, and I'm getting it all pimped out. Sexy. Are you, Classic please do moto. transition pictures. Like, do oh, like a day yes. by day as it like changes, because that is sexy. Yeah, I, I got a good, a good friend um, <laughs> in the town south of me that's been helping uh, build it out a lot. He'll, he's going to be into helping out anyone else who wants their vans built out. So um, I don't know what his kind of handle is right now, but um, it's kind of – a cool van because it's a butterface it's kind of ugly on the outside but it's going to be a sweet sleeper and be able to cook in it and everything on the inside so i'm that's excited what to that's what matters. go to races and 
sleep and camp out and hang out a little bit more at the places. Yeah. Um, that is the best part. Let's see. I agree. Ben, yeah. what were you going to say? Oh, he was just saying he totally like that, how much fun that is of the whole experience, you know, being able to camp out and not feel like you have to take off to go get to your hotel room or whatever. Right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And um, let's see, you've been riding uh, with Nick Farringer again. That's been cool. And been riding a ton with Evan Smith. That's one of the locals around me that yeah. he just got his best finish at the National Enduro with a sixth overall. So Which that is was fantastic, cool. yeah. And um, Drew Higgins was hanging out with him for a while too, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's still there. Yeah. Yeah, Drew's been killing it. Yeah, um, that he has. Yeah. Good old Drew. And, um, let's see. Been riding at my buddy Andrew Matuzic's kind of riding facility down in Franklin, Georgia. He's got some trails and a moto track there that's pretty uh, cool because it's on a big elevation piece of property. Uh, it's called Hazard MX, Hazardous MX. Mm. Sounds um, safe. You must yeah, be easy to yeah. get insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. And um, let's see. Other cool stuff. Man, I mean, the weather is just getting spot on right now, so starting to mountain bike a lot more, and uh, hope to do kind of some bicycle enduros if I get any time to. Heck yeah. Are you guys going to do another Bikes on Bikes? Um, Yeah, that's still something in the works, and uh, we might be doing a hut-to-hut dirt bike ride. Um, we got this cool company I'm working with a little bit called Rever. They got a sick motorcycle app you guys should check out. Okay. Um, it's all about, it, it's kind of like Strava for dirt bikes, but it kind of follows your ride. You can map out your routes and, you know, show people your cool rides and it's pretty sick. Uh, so is it, it's free. R-E-V-E-R, right? Yeah. Right on. Yeah, we're at the site now. No, it looks cool. We'll reach out and see if we can talk with these guys. It'd be yeah. good to get them on the show. That's some and good kind UI of right like there. that. We can get a little bit more information on it. <laughs> There's some cool stuff about to come out with it. Um, so you guys will have to stay tuned and maybe even chat about it a little bit more because it's going to be pretty awesome coming up in the future. It's going to be. He's not saying it is now. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> uh, like, but what is to come? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. No, it'll be pretty. That, that's awesome, dude. We definitely reach out to those guys. Well, hell yeah. Well, yep. man, I'm sorry that it's been so long since we had a chance to talk. And I know you were kind of like, You'd rather be on the show after a win, but I just, you know, I wanted to talk with you. It'd been so long, and you're obviously doing fantastic on the bike. You got a fourth at the GNCC in Georgia, which obviously, you know, home state and all, but still, you're awesome on a dirt bike, and we haven't had a chance to talk, so we wanted to do it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm having fun. I feel like I'm riding great, and everyone else is riding really well, too, so, you know, it's all a matter of, you know, seconds here and, here and there, and uh, yeah, stoked for the rest of the races right on dude well we appreciate it keep uh keep having fun i guess keep her pinned and then uh, what is uh i'll see you in louisiana april 10th april 9th and 10th right three weekends yeah buddy i know you can't hold can't hold it in you're gonna have to counting down the days every yeah i feel like i should get a text message little hugs every day <laughs> no soon <Yeah>. soon <laughs> you better get yeah. that sprinter band finished that's right. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Take it easy. Thanks again. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, guys. Thanks. Peace. All right. Nice. Mr. Russell Bobby. That is Russell Bobby.
<coughs> I have been texting my wife. I'm like, bring me cough drops, bring me cough drops. She has not come yet. And I'm no. just like, what is going on? If we're taking orders, just throw some coffee in on that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm up. I'm up. Um, no, I just love coffee. But awesome. So good time chatting with Mr. Russell Bobbitt. Absolutely. Um, and Absolutely. Because we're just running a little late, we're going to run right on in to Mr. Colton Haker, um, the new world champion. Again, in case my throat were to shit the bed on me. You seem to be doing a lot better now. Uh, I, I, Jamera, uh breath control. Just you know, I don't night. Yeah, I know you do. Like I've got you all do. this control. <laughs> you, you're doing you keep good. Teaching me about science. Let's talk about science. Science. How I can control shit. That's how I do it. Science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make me learned. Make learned. Me <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Teach me new words. Every t- it's what I do. Spectacular vernacular. Um. Uh. Hello, Mr. Colton Haker. We got audio coming in loud and clear. What's up, guys? Yeah! Woo! Dude, okay, so so back in 2013, 2014, in August when we did the live Enduro webcast, Jordan Bailey was always going, hacker, 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 right? Then everybody online was like, it's not, ha-, you know, we know it's hacker. But she was just nervous. She kept saying that. But So I have to say, being in Europe, how much was your name like just totally finagled? It was always hacker. I don't know. It was it was hardly ever hacker. <laughs> it was ha- hardly ever wrong or ha- hardly ever right. Yep. That's hardly. okay. But now you're the world champion, and you can be like, guys, this is how you say it. Like yep. they they need to learn it now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they'll probably just keep saying hacker. It's all right. <laughs> My <laughs> PR team is like, nah, we don't My have time team. for this. My championship uh, shirt said uh, "Hacker hacks it" because I think that they're like "Hacker hacks it," you know. Right. So they they put I got one right here. They put a uh, yeah. Hang on a sec. We could make I this work. To, I was trying to sing around. Oh, oh got go. it. So Haker hacks it. So they're like, hacker hacks it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, anyways, but yeah, they'll keep butchering it, but you know, it's, it's all right. Make it work. Make it work. Oh, yep. Well, dude, um, we, I remember when Cody Webb and, uh, and Ty Tremaine were heading over last year uh, and stuff with, with the uh, RPM team. It was kind of an interesting situation, and then Kyle Rebin for a while was going over with different teams and stuff like that. But this year, you know, Taylor Robert, Cody Webb, yourself. Um, I mean, you guys are going over there full factory, you know, riders, which is awesome to see that you guys are getting that kind of support and the level of effort is going into you guys and racing at these events. But for you specifically, how did it work? Was it? You know, your typical team um, here in the States that supported you in Europe, or did they have connections with the European kind of Husky team that then was the Husky Rockstar kind of support there for you in Europe? Like, talk talk through the logistics for us on all that for a little bit. Yeah, so what they do is they prepped, uh, they prepped our bikes here in the States, and then they ship them, freight them, to, uh, to Europe, to the factory. And... Um, my mechanic here in the States would fly um, a couple days earlier than me to get there, unpack it, uncrate it, prep it a little better and, or a little more, and then 
put it in the sprinter van and then they would drive to the race and meet, you know, myself there, Cody there. My mechanic would travel with Cody's mechanic right. and, and Tyler and Taylor's mechanic, Tyler Renshaw. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the mechanics kind of all went together and we, they'd meet the riders there at the bike and, uh, we do the, do the gig and then, uh, pack it back up. We'd fly, we'd fly home and then they drive back to the factory, re re prep the bike and, uh, and then fly home and, you know, see them at the, see them back in the States. Wow. Um, and yeah, we would get support from, from the factory in KTM or the factory in Husqvarna and, uh, they would help out there. So my team manager for this racing series was the, uh, the team manager of the European Husqvarna team. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Well, that's awesome that, you know, that it, that it, you know, being kind of on that factory Husky team here. Is is the same, you know, the way they worked it out logistically for you to kind of be on that factory team over there, and that it was you know, probably just. It's different. It's different than that because I'm on I'm on the Husqvarna USA team there. I'm wearing right. fly gear, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. The the sponsors appropriately, right? All over there in Europe versus uh, their team wear shot race gear. Ah, okay. They have different tire sponsor. They don't have Dunlop. They have Golden Tire stuff like that. So. I was a Husqvarna USA representative, but obviously it's a factory effort. So, you know, Timmy Wiegand, my, my manager here, would, would coordinate with Andy Holtz, the manager in Austria. And uh, same with, you know, Auntie Callanen and Fabio Ferrioli. And, right. you know, they would all coordinate with their riders to be there and get the hotels right and all everything handled up. And, you know, it was a big massive team effort honestly i mean uh yeah there was a lot of people involved and and it you know it worked out dude yeah no it, it really worked out right that sounds really smooth yeah i mean and, and that was one of the things when we were talking to kind of taylor when he started to go over a little and cody when he started to go over a little is that you know they were trying to figure out the right way to travel um, because going to Europe with getting the jet lag and then, then there's the food aspect and not knowing what to eat, what's going to upset your stomach or what's going like, to make you sick, all that kinds of stuff. Um, and I know you have as well traveled over a couple times. You know, We just haven't had a chance to talk to you after you've done it. Um, how, how long did it take you to get that routine down to kind of know, okay, well, I need to fly in X amount of days. You know, And you guys stayed over a lot too, right? Like for like weeks, uh, for a couple weeks and a couple different places. So... Logistically, how did you get adapted to all that? Well, I found that traveling like on a Wednesday, you fly out like on a Wednesday, um, and then you get there to Europe on Thursday, and uh, you didn't want to go to sleep. You get there like Thursday mid morning usually. That's right. Oh my gosh! And then if you fell asleep Thursday afternoon, you didn't sleep Thursday night, so mm. you stay up all Thursday night as late as honestly possible for me um, until I just passed out. And then I'd wake up at 6 a.m. ready to go. And, you know, it's it's a little hard that way, you know. And then the next night is, is about just as hard the night before the race because you're excited for the race, you know. So yeah. you're not sleeping super, super good. You're a little amped. But, um, <laughs> yeah, amped, amped. Yeah, it's, not, That's, definitely, uh... it's definitely not easy. But um, it was – it wasn't that bad uh, once you got it down. Like I said, Poland was in December. That was the first round, and 
and I kind of figured out from there what what to do, you know, what yeah. not to do. So right, ah, man, that would yeah, that would that would take a little bit to get used to, especially at the, the level you guys were, right? You know, competing at. I mean, literally, you are the world champion now. So to think that you're going to be, you know, one of the top five going into the beginning of the year, to like, all right, well, I gotta figure this shit out because I want to be competitive, and obviously right. you have been. Um, now you consistently got better as the season went on. What was that? What what consistency or was it confidence? Was it just was it maybe small changes that you guys made uh, on your end as a rider or maybe changes to the bikes? Uh, did the tracks get to a point where you just got the chance to ride them better? Um, yeah, so uh, I think you know we came right off of the Endurocross series. So Taylor, myself, and Cody and Ty, and Ty Tremaine were all um, pretty. Uh, you know, ready to go, mm -hmm. I would say, you know, we're all race ready at that point. And, uh, so going to Poland, um, I just didn't really know exactly what to expect, uh, for kind of like my first real run at it. And, uh, the race, the racing format is different. It's three main events a night. Um, each one is six minutes plus a lap and, uh, each one counts as full moto scores. So, you know, as the kind of racing went on, I kind of figured out that uh, you had to be consistent. Um, you really couldn't afford to have any major mistakes um, because it was really competitive. And um, me just getting better was figuring out that stuff. And uh, also just getting a couple more races under my belt, you know, uh, at a cons more consistently, yeah. having more races, you know, kind of helped. A lot of times in the Endurocross series, we, we might have like uh, – you know, a month or more, two months off, you know, before another round. So Not with this two year. months off, you yeah. don't get like a lot of practice actually, you know, racing. Right. These are a little more condensed. You have three races a night. You know, you have, it's kind of like you get a little more practice in, you get a little better at it, right? Yeah. So that would, that would be the biggest, the biggest difference for me was, uh, was that. And then. Um, we had back-to-back -back weekends sometimes, so that helped. I think having one race and then the next weekend we had another race, so I got kind of like a little more adjusted to the time zone. Uh, I didn't feel as jet-lagged out, um, and it, you just were a little more fresh because you just had the experiences of racing, you know, six days prior. Yeah. Right. Staying on the bike. Yeah. That helps a lot. Oh, man. That's crazy. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and to even think of the – the extra logistics that go into the fact that it was what Argentina and then Brazil, I think, like say like in that case, yeah. And then you oh guys did gosh. Prague, and did you guys stay over for Prague and Spain too in, in Europe? Yeah, we did. Um, I mean, think like that. Like you're not just like planning one weekend; you're planning two weekends. You know, oh. all the hotels, all the bike stuff, all the transporting of everything. Oh yeah, like you, so. they were probably needing to know what they needed to do a month in advance yeah, so that you're ready for it mentally. Now that's science. No, <laughs> no. Nah. <laughs> no That's way. Maya. Yeah, That's exactly. Maya. Getting it figured out. Well, right. um, what, what was the biggest? I don't know. Maybe if you had one, but like, what's an aha moment that you had over there that you were like, you know, something that just kind of like caught you out of the blue, or you learned that just kind of like, holy shit! Like, if you hadn't have been in that situation you were in doing the super enduros, that you probably either a never would have learned or never would have come across, um, you know, being in those situations. Um, I don't know. I guess the culture, 
I guess going to these different places, you know, um, you get to see places you've never been and, um, some of these places were pretty interesting, you know, uh, Brazil and Argentina were, I was a little taken back by the areas there. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, I kind of like the different way they, the culture is and stuff, you know, yeah. that would be kind of like the biggest differences really Did, i don't know if you're asking racing oh no honestly like it could be it, yeah. yeah i think because it's interesting you know like with uh, dalton going into germany for you know half a year a whole year whatever it was like yeah. he had all these kind of crazy experiences but he could you know and i've had all kinds of weird experiences but some of them are experience i had it i had for the reasons i was there and right. some of them are just weird random things that happened because life you know you, yeah whatever just kind of comes up so um, the tracks, though, if anything, mm. we can say that they look way different from the endurocross tracks that you guys are used to being on. Specifically, I think preparation-wise, you know, they seem to deteriorate a lot um, and yeah. maybe not as kept up. Um, and good, bad, you know, some people say they want them more rough, all that kinds of stuff. Um, I yeah. hear that every Saturday night. More rough. Okay, you got it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh geez but uh you know we're your talk your egg game <laughs> yeah bring your egg game <laughs> so right. talk to us about the tracks a little bit what do you think about yeah. those guys so you know that's interesting you know we had uh Schaefer tracks built brazil okay um, awesome didn't even know that but that's good to hear right so holger holger detman he's a german guy he uh he built the german track and his crew and him built the germany track and the czech republic Prague track and, uh, and then the rest of them were all done by basically the clubs, you know, uh, individual clubs from Poland, um, from Argentina, from, um, from Madrid, all did, you know, individual stuff. Um, Poland was, was the first race, right? I guess this would be kind of an aha moment. Was, uh, between, the, between the races, you know, they didn't have any more equipment or something and, and the, the soil was really soft um so it rutted up really bad and really quick um and every time between each moto between like our moto and the next it would they'd send like 20 25 guys out there with shovels just to like get all the ruts out you know and rakes there and they is. would just go to work you know like just get out there and just shovel it up real quick you know pack it back in you know, make it look pretty again, and then they'd have another moto. And then right after it's done, right back out there. You know, it's like... <laughs> Dedication. I, kind of, I felt like kind of like half of it they built with shovels, but it actually ended up being a really uh, fun track. It was more open. There was... Uh, we actually went up a whole flight of stairs up to the second or third story. Right. Uh, and then dropped back downstairs on the other side, you know, and... Uh, the track was a little more moto-y, you know, there's a little more room for, uh, for moto to get a little loose and it was pretty fun. You know, that was a good track, a good way to start. I thought the stadium was huge. Um, Germany was, was really well kept. The guys did a really good job building that one. It's probably my favorite track of the year, honestly, just the way it was built. Um, super technical, but also had some super technical jumps in it. Where was and, that one in uh, Germany? Is in Riza, Germany. Oh, okay. Which is like East Germany. Yep. Mm. Um, GDR, baby. And then, uh, you know, from there we had uh, the two South American rounds. So one of them was built by Schaefer. And then the other one was done by actual, uh, the guy that does the motocross, that had prepped the motocross uh, FIM event down there in Argentina. So it was, it was pretty motocrossy and it was outdoors. 
Um, oh, yeah, I remember that one. It was more like an arena, like an open arena kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they basically brought in like grandstands and stuff, I think, and, uh, and then had it there. But it was, it was pretty cool. It was, like I said, it was, there's a little more uh, variations between each country and each track, right? Right. There's completely different soils. There's some outdoor stuff. Um, in Brazil, they, there was a crazy storm, and it was raining. It was coming in to the stadium through the rain. Like, the rain was coming in. Like the night before, gnarly. Wow! Like the they had like the sides are a little open. The stadium's really old there, and um, like and then in Madrid also, <laughs> Madrid also half of it was or a quarter of it was out outside. You know, the last matrix section was outside, and it was raining in Madrid when we were there, which doesn't really happen ever. It's kind of like California weather. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. And yeah, there's, there's just a little more, um, variation. You gotta be ready for about anything. You know, when I was, when I was getting ready for this series before Poland, I changed my track a ton. I made a bunch of awkward stuff that I personally did not like riding. Um, it wasn't fun to me, but it was stuff that I just had to do and, and get comfortable doing and riding just to, just to make myself ready for whatever they were going to throw at us. Cause you kind of know what you're going to get in Endurocross. It's kind of a similar thing each time. You know, they, it's pretty cookie cutter. You know, they got their setup and what they build and how they do it. And mm-hmm. yeah, the rock pile might be different, but you kind of know the rock pile is going to be this way. And we've also been to those events a couple of years in a row. And we know the rocks they use and like the, the way they look and, you know, the way they grip and stuff right. now after five years of racing the series. Um, so, I mean, I had to be ready for whatever, you know, and uh, that was kind of interesting part of the series. It was pretty, pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, a whole other dynamic that is something that you guys have kind of grown away from in, in you know, the Endurocross in the States, it sounds like, where you kind of can see obstacles and kind of see the same rock. You're like, oh, now we're just using the other side of this one from last round. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Know how it's going to kind of react and all that kinds of stuff. That's interesting. I wouldn't have yeah. thought of that, but yeah, it's a whole nother beast. Right. Um, because it's not being consistently built by the same type of people. So it's not being consistently built at all. No, it's not uh, predictable. Yeah. There you go. It's not predictable. <laughs> yeah. Look at yeah, that guy just coming in with the words. You know, the the uh, racing was really good. You know, there was, like I said, as couple Americans came over. So it was Taylor, myself, Cody, Ty Tremaine, uh, Kevin Rookstool, you know, and then they had Taddy was back. Um, they had Johnny Walker, you know, yeah. and he's super good. And he was leading the series for a couple of rounds. And then, uh, you know, they had a stacked, stacked field out there, you know, 16, 16 riders pretty much at each event that were in the main events, um, double gates and, you know, in the second second race, they flip the they invert the start, so it's kind of chaotic that way because you know yeah, because you guys fall, start in the back, right? For that, right. So that makes it you know a little more less predictable as well. So I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot more variables to it, you know, and there's a lot of stuff I had to to adapt to and learn for my first year over there. So. Right. I'm pretty happy that I was able to. <laughs> uh, yeah, not only did you adapt adapt well, you became the world champion. So. Let's go with it. Initial thoughts when it happened and now current thoughts as you've had a chance to let it soak in a little bit. <clears throat> well, you saw me celebrate, so... It was it very was impressive. <laughs> very <laughs> impressive. 
Zero to a hundred yep. real quick. Zero. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I think it was like zero to a thousand. Like you could yep. I, I literally it was it was what I told you. It looked like you had a dance move planned. Like you were like, all right, I won, I'm gonna do this dance move, and you the second you went to go hit it, you forgot it. So then you just went I don't know what to do. So it was this weird, shaky body vibe thing, like yeah. modern dance. And I was like, that is a guy who is fucking excited. Yeah, like, doesn't Hell know. yeah. Yeah, I didn't know it through my hands, man. Ricky Bobby did. You know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> As you should. So now that you had a chance to rewatch that multiple times and go, shit, I should have done something different, or I should have had something planned, um, yeah. how, how, are, how are you feel now about it? Or, you know, kind of put it into words uh yeah i'm still uh probably i'm still not off the high no mm. doubt i'm just still i'm, I'm a little jet lagged now that i'm home because we were there for like 14 days so right. now i'm actually kind of messed up here uh, my right. sleeping schedule is a little off and i'm just trying to get my life together right now i had a lot of laundry to do and had to get the house cleaned up i got home i didn't have any yeah. clean underwear it's like what the <laughs> yeah. heck man <laughs> underwear left just yeah uh but it, it's soaked in you know and i'm i'm stoked i'm ready for the next you know the next chapter the next race ready to move on here and get get back to training you know super motivated to uh to get that same feeling back you know it's a freaking drug that uh oh, dude. that it is that it is one i've never had and probably never will uh but what? that's okay i can uh i can just pretend you I can dream you can get it brian I can dream go get it brian mm. you have to find something you can win i know he's right life i've won i feel like i'm doing a pretty good job hey yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think going into 2016, a lot of people were like, oh my God, why did they take the Endurocross schedule and just pack it into the back half of the year? Mm -hmm. And and I kind of, I didn't, I can't say that I was exactly that person, but I was, at the same time, I was kind of like, man, this is weird. I was like, but I'm going to kind of watch and pay attention and kind of see how they're, see what's happening. And I think it's for the better um, because it gives you guys a chance now to do what you've done. It's much easier for y'all to go travel overseas and do this. If you guys want to, you're going to get a chance to go do some more extreme enduros because a lot of those happen in the front half of the season. You won't compete for the whole season because you'll have enduro cross coming up. But then it becomes a lot more less of what you were just talking about, where maybe there's those two months break where you don't have a race going on, where now you're going to be racing. If you don't race every other weekend, that's going to be weird You know, once we get into August. Um, so I think it's going to be fun once this happens. You guys are going to have to find a way to keep the stoke going, though, for the next couple months mm. uh, going into August. Yep. Yeah, um, I think it's good. I think we all agreed that the Endure Cross Series, uh, kind of with that lull during summer, wasn't uh, the best. You know, once once uh, it, it went into summer and they weren't having anything going on, people forgot what was happening in the championship. And then when it came back, everyone was like, you know what i thought that was over you know right. or whatever you know they just forget so i think we all agreed that that would be for the best to have it in the later part of the year most of their series are done they can focus on uh on the series a lot of people outside can focus on the series magazines um stuff like that i think that'll help um they changed the schedule up quite a bit not just obviously later in the year but the event schedule they're going to georgia again which uh, will be good. That'll yeah. be the opener. 
Right. And uh, and then they have a couple other new ones too. Phoenix will be really good, I think. We'll do well. And uh, yeah, and then as far as getting to August when it starts, we got a couple of events. I know that uh, I'm going to Erzberg this year as Ooh, well as Cody Webb. Nice, nice. nice. That'll be fun. Yeah. And Kyle Redman as well as going to Erzberg. Uh, and I think Max Kirsten. So we're having a couple couple of riders from the U.S. are going. And, uh, well, uh, are you going to do the TKO? Yeah, I'll, I'll be at TKO as well. That's okay. the weekend before Georgia. Yep. <clears throat> um, and then uh, closer than all that, I'm getting married in two and a half to three weeks. So that's, congrats. That's the next thing on my uh, my list. <laughs> yeah, get rid of that jet lag. You want to be fresh for your wedding. <laughs> yeah, you that's do. That's what I hear. <laughs> I think I was sober for mine, but who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I, I would bet against that. <laughs> I might have been having a good time. Yeah. I might have been having a good time. That's awesome, dude. You guys do anything crazy or just a nice, fun little romantic evening there in Southern California? Oh, we've had it planned out for a while here. It's a venue here in Southern California. There you go. There you and go. Uh, family and friends, the whole the whole shebang. And like uh, we did, Hannah came with me to, uh, to Prague and Madrid. So we kind of did like our, you know, a little bit of our pre-honeymoon or whatever and Prague, which was really good. Now she's out of the uh, vacation time at work, so we don't get an actual honeymoon after. Right. But uh, that was kind of our honeymoon. I, I want to wait a little bit so she gets some more vacation time from work, and then sure. we can we can try to go somewhere else. They're like, guys, he's a professional motocross or uh, you know dirt bike racer. I got I got to travel. I yeah. Try. I need yeah. Time. I need more. Time. I mean, for for uh, for her, it's been awesome, and for me to have her there, it's been awesome because. Uh, <laughs> We, when we're in Prague, I mean, you you maybe never been to Prague or yeah. have, but it's pretty uh, it's a pretty incredible place. We were there for about five days, and like you know, the oldest building was that's still standing it was built in nine thirty eight. Whoa, yeah. AD. So uh, you know, the oldest thing here is like nineteen sixty. So fucking <laughs> <laughs> hippies, fucking hippies. Yeah, you're, it's, falling, you're, it's falling down. You know, yeah, yeah they were uh-huh. high when they built it. So who knows what's the going plumbing. The plumbing's all messed up at, the, at that building. So, <laughs> I like but that. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like you walk around and you're like, Dude, "This is not even the same place." It's it's hard to explain it, to give you a good picture of how the feeling is when you're like, you look up and you're looking around and you're like, "This is another world." Like this isn't even the same planet. We're not in the same universe. Right. That's how much different it is. Yeah, I, I felt a little bit of that when I was in Rome. Not so much in Paris. Um, no, no, not so much. Right. In Rome, I really felt like in some of the, the uh, what is it, the where they fought and stuff. Oh, Colosseum. Oh. Thank you, Colosseum. Yeah. Like, I, that's where I was kind of like, goodness. Like, yeah. And then uh, some of the other uh, ruins of the, of stuff that they had around there. I'm totally blanking on what all that stuff was called now. But I, I yeah, that you. was, I totally agree. Like, you can get into that stuff and you look around and it's just like, Whoa! Like this has yeah. been here for a long time, and Europe. people did things way different back then. Europe has history. Yeah, yeah. way more than yeah, we do. Like absolutely. you said, 1960, bro. We're going strong. <laughs> oh yeah, We're going strong. <laughs> well, hell yeah, dude. Uh, well, we don't need to keep you all night, man. I know that you got a you got a, a lot of jet lag to get rid of, and, and family and friends to see and hang out with, and maybe some sleep. Maybe some sleep. But uh, do you have any any more quickly before we take off? Any more uh, fun paraphernalia you can show us? Um, yeah, I got a couple of things here. 
It's like yeah. this is the fleshlight that I picked up on the trip. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is this, they call this KY. It doesn't work. Yeah. It's like oh oh. All right. Anyways. <laughs> He's like, how did you know? Oh, Brian. Ah, uh, got a. Oh, there you go. Full metal here. Yeah, I am. Awesome. There it is. Oh, stamped. Look at that. Offset engraving right there, baby. It says repl- replica, though. I don't know. It's not real. Did it's they, not real. they gypped him? Uh, it's, I guess it's not real gold, huh? We got this trophy. That was the first place trophy in, uh, in Prague. Oh, sexy. That is nice. That's one, that's one super cool thing about uh, these races, too. Each race has its own... Uh, each race has its own, you know, trophy or whatever, but it's always different. You something know? unique? Yeah, something unique. It's pretty cool. Something you can actually look back on and be like, wow, that was... that." You can look back and remember that, you know, specific event, you know, yeah, because right. of the trophy a little bit yeah. uh, versus a plastic one. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty fantastic. Well, dude, congratulations. Um, it'll be great to catch up with you in another month or two. Uh, once you've kind of gotten gotten some training going again and getting ready for some more of Erzberg and all the fun stuff that goes along with that. But yeah, congrats. Have fun getting married. Good luck training for Erzberg. And I know if nothing else, we'll see you at TKO. And uh, yeah, congratulations, dude. It's an epic accomplishment. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. I can't no wait problem. to do it again, right? Yep. Can't wait. All right, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> Thanks, man. You too. See ya. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Well, man, yeah. I, that's got to be... Like you were saying, like kind of like the of being in another world. It like is so not only kind of being over there and getting this wicked badass trip in Europe, but also then to kind of like come home as a world champion in a sport that <laughs> yeah. you have been trying to get better at and compete at for so right. long. Like yeah, I'm, like that's got to be a whole nother level of like exactly. WTF, like yeah, on in the brainium. I I can can't even imagine. Yeah, I would I would love to relate to that, but I can't. Nope, not at all. But you'll get there with your design stuff. There, I guess. Yeah, I guess I will. There's design competitions. There is. Well, I painted with Obey while I was in Germany, so that was. I saw those pictures. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah, in fact, I made those low key. They they offered me a job while I was over there, so I'm excited about that. John Furlong, great guy, yeah, as well as the rest of the team. But man, Colin Haker, getting it done overseas. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's insane. Uh, I was just going to a desk the day I got off a flight. I couldn't imagine having yeah. to set up for a race. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. Jeez, that that is got to be intense. Yeah, that's another level. That I would, I pay. Hey, I would love to try it though. Right. I mean, who's who wouldn't? Who give me a bike? I'm yeah, here. exactly. Um, some of the stuff we didn't touch on was the recent dirt buzz. Of course, we had the National Enduro this past weekend, the Knuckle right. Buster round two of the National Enduro series, where Grant Baylor got another win. Russell Bobbitt came in second, and Stuart Baylor Jr. in third. Good to see Stuart Baylor Jr. Uh, getting some good results. He's been injured for the past couple of years, but he's been extremely consistent lately. Uh, getting on the podium now with the GNCCs, getting fourth place at, the, at Sumter, and now third place on the podium with the National Enduros. Right. Great to see for Stuart Baylor. So I'm glad that that's going for him. Obviously, Super Enduro in Spain in the Super Bowl for the weekend. We actually Cody Webb was the one who got the win, Colton Haker, and then Alfredo Gomez in third. But obviously, points-wise for right. the World Championship, uh, Colton Haker got the, the, the World Championship there. In the Virginia cross-country uh, hair scramble stuff, Brad Bakken got the win this past weekend. Greg McDonald in second. Props. And uh, 
Robbie Norwood in third. It looks like Brad's kind of stepped back a little bit. I think I've seen him in some of the National Enduros, but I don't. I got to check in with him and see what his Ampro deal is this year. Yeah, we're gonna have to get him on the show and kind of like learn more about what's been going on there. Right. <clears throat> with him, I know he's uh, in, at least engaged. I don't know if he's married yet. Yeah. Uh, AMA West uh, hair scrambles this past weekend off on the West Coast. Nick mm-hmm. Burson getting the win there. Corey Grafunder in second, and Travis Coy in third. Travis Coy, uh, you know, big works racer. Uh, Don's a lot of racing and riding the West Coast. Boyfriend to Casey Martinez. Right. Uh, but great rider uh, riding for KTM mm-hmm. um, and or riding KTMs. Um, but it's, I think the, the thing's going to come down to Nick Burson and Corey Grafunder. Um, we didn't see Kyle Redman up here like we have in the past. So as this kind of comes down with Nick Burson and Corey Grafunder going for the title, it'll be tight yeah, for those guys. That'll be an interesting race. Yeah. For sure. To see how they kind of figure it out so one of the things that i thought was going to be fun is uh we're going to hold this off to the end so that way at least for now there's a lot less viewers uh as we do this is uh we've got the last lap of the super enduro um, as cody webb and colton haker are fighting for right the, uh for the for the championship and, and yep and the way it worked out five point difference I think I'd have to like double check my points, but I think if Cody Webb would have won, he would have got the world championship. If Colton Haker won, he would have got the championship. So obviously Colton Haker won and got the championship. Right. But I figured, why not commentate? Hey, yes. I'm, you know I'm down with that. So let's go. I think it could be kind of fun, Stephen. I don't know exactly what we're gonna do, so you tell us how this should work, and we'll. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna watch that screen. Excellent. Play it over here. You're gonna play it over here. Okay. All right. All right. So let's set this up. So coming in to the last lap before they cross the uh, finish line to get the white flag, we got Cody Webb in the lead, and Colton Haker is in second place, and they are right. very tight. So they're about to go over the finish. Yep. Haker, Haker's got to make the pass if he wants the championship. That's what's happening, or what we think. So Stephen, give us a countdown. All right. Suspense at maximum. Excellent. All right. Cody Webb and Colton Haker going over the double there. And here we go into the turn. Look at this. Oh, Oh. Colton Haker going to the inside line. Excellent inside line there. That's the way to do it. There it is. Like, where am I going to make the move? Major lap traffic, though. Major lap traffic. How will they get through it? I have a feeling Colton Haker could get held up by a few leading oh, riders. How could you imagine jumping like that? But look at this. Oh, he jumps at the inside, oh, bumps Colton Haker physical, off the track. Getting You've physical. You've got to if you're going to win the world championship. All right, into the matrix. Get physical. And what a lame matrix. I'm just kidding. Colton, <laughs> Colton Haker, Haker getting his tired. jiggy on. <laughs> he looks getting tired. Getting jiggy on for All right. sure. Let's see what the they can do. Matrix open. Right. Somehow Cody Webb holds up a bit. Colton, Colton Haker in white. Cody Webb oh. in the red, white, and blue. Coming for that last turn before he goes up and over and into the arena. Over the that wood is slick. And Flat wood. We've got Colton Haker with the world championship, and this is where he goes. Where's my dance move? I got it. No, he, I don't. He, oh my god, <laughs> I'm too excited. Letting all emotion come through. <laughs> this, is, this is when He's, Daddy has he OMG. Very excited. Very excited. To what say do I do the with least. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, yes, like, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my so gosh. Good. I love you. Super pumped. Super There's just pumped. so much to say to Oh, my gosh. That, yeah, that was racing right there. That I forgot there was that many passes Dude, in one lap. That, that, that's how you want it to finish. Yeah. Though. 
No, no. I mean, like any, either way you look at it, like for us as fans, right. awesome last lap. Absolutely. And then for racers, like you don't want to be like, well, cool, I got it. Yeah. Like, no, no one enjoys watching a big lead just finish around right. like with a little bang. I mean, people want battles, and that's exactly what we get. And a lot of times that's what we get in Enduro Cross, and why uh, I think a little bit more people should pay attention to it because it's excellent racing compared to a lot of other genres. Yep. If you're, especially if you're getting bored with uh, racing genres, as I know I am from time to time. If you will. If, if you will. <laughs> um, now, we're probably not going to get any calls from anybody um, looking for announcers. But I yeah. feel like maybe at some point when backups and backups and backups, when the third backups fail, yeah. then we might get called up. I think, we, I think so, yeah. Second backup? Yeah, work on our timing and then tag team it and we'd be perfect. Yeah, tag team, back team. And we'll brand, we'll, brand our, we'll brand each other unified. We'll be one entity. That's it. You're working on this branding thing, I can tell. That, that's life. That's like, what you do? <laughs> that's what I do. Well, cool. No. Uh, Dalton Green, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can, I guess you can hit up my anti-social networks at uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Instagram and Twitter would be everything big D. Hmm. Um, no capitals, no special characters, just everything big D. He's a special character. Special character indeed. And then uh, just Dalton Green uh, on Facebook. It'll be the one with my signature just as the profile pic. Hmm. Um, I don't do too much on there. Uh, if it's important to me, then maybe I'll do something on there. But that's where you can find me on the internet. Um, and then if, if you hit me up on there, you will get a response. Very very punctual and very responsive on that nonetheless. Even though it doesn't look like I interact on there, I definitely pay attention and watch and read. So that's how... He's that's, a lurker. Yeah, a lurker, for sure. Lurker, for sure. Um, just steady creeping on social media, staying up to date. That's, <laughs> that's a lurker and a voyeurist. Yeah, vo- uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lurker and I don't want to say yes, but yes. Yes, <laughs> correct. It can happen. Right. Well, I do. You well, said it, not me. For sure, you're just like... I'm not saying no. Not saying no. Not saying no. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on the show, taking the time to drive over here to the studio. Oh, not a problem. Um, Once we do get into our new space, probably going to be sometime in May. We're only going to be five more minutes away, so obviously. Right. uh, Whenever you want to come on the couch, you're more than welcome to come and sit in. It'd be great to get some more analysts and thinkers and doers and fun fun giverers to the world. Right. Because the internet needs people that don't know how to think proper. That they do. What? I like it. Well, dude, this has been seat time. Of course, thank you very much to Fly Racing and Kinda Tire USA and SRT Off-Road Ford support. Of course, flyracing.com is where you can find out more about Fly. KindaTire.com is where you can find out more about Kinda Tire or your local dealer for all of these. And then SRTOffRoad.com is where you can find more about SRT Off-Road. We obviously thank them for their support. This has been Seat Time, the online show for the off-road enthusiast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash seat time. On Twitter, it's at seat time underscore CO at on Instagram, it's at Seat Time. And of course, YouTube, the username is Seat Time CEO. So we're out there. We're social and antisocial, and we're just as responsive as we don't want to be. So make sure you reach out. Have fun with us on the internet because that's what we do. And remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. Happy Easter this weekend, and we will be back in two weeks after we get done celebrating with our families. Peace. See ya.